It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Any good stories from the road? And pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mon geese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Howdy, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who watch us, or the, the mom who watches us, I think. Um, but we all have a mom, so hope you uh, were able to talk to her today. Guys, we're going to start off with the biggest non-story I think I've seen in quite a while around these parts. And I'm not here to talk about whether or not Stetson Bennett graduated, got the sheepskin from Athens. Um, I guess he didn't. The whole thing to me is, guys, the fact that Alabama fans have now turned the tables on this Georgia-Alabama internet rivalry, and that's the best shot they have at you right now. They're empty in the chamber, and it's about whether or not Stetson Bennett graduated. And Meanwhile, Stetson Bennett has two national championship trophies. To me, that tells me that Georgia's officially on top of the college football mountain. Uh, who wants to go first? Uh Listen, I, my contention is that Stetson Bennett's like a, a PE credit away from having three degrees. I, he's got to be. I, it, it's almost impossible that he could have hung around this long and not. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, man. It's those if that's what people are complaining about, the times are good. I will say. And also, I saw somebody claim Jalen Hurts, and they were like, Jalen Hurts graduated from Alabama already. Got his master's degree. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I couldn't care less. <laughs> no, look, man, I, I couldn't either, and that's not why I'm bringing it up tonight. I think I think it's just interesting to see that now this is this is what Bama fans have. This is their best shot. He also went to junior college, so he went to Georgia, then he left, went to JUCO. No telling what he took in JUCO. Probably a lot of those credits probably didn't come back. So. I mean, you, there's no telling, but I guarantee you, like, like Bruce, he's probably closest to coming. I think Rusty's watching a pay-per-view or something. <laughs> he's, he's got in your house '94 in his uh, ears right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, listen, I don't know why. All I do, all I know is this: um, Jake Rowe was still one year away from graduating after six. I know that. Um, it took me seven. Um, so, and I don't cares? think we have football to contend with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit more of an issue than football. Um, <laughs> bless her heart, she's about to turn sixteen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, college is hard. You change a major. You know, change do that a couple times. You'll find out how long it'll take you. And I just don't care. Like, I mean. 
it's just crazy. We, we, you know, these fans talk about, you know, well, listen, we, we don't get there to, we don't watch them. We don't, we don't tune in to watch them play class um, until it's a, an opportunity to really wrap your head around something and, and say, Hey, this is an insult. Um, he's got rings, man. Like, uh, like three year letterman said, he's going to have a hard time turning doorknobs. So <laughs> since when is Alabama, the ethical, moral, educational, compass of the college football world I, it's just surreal to me i think it's pretty funny um i just that's, wanted to address that before that's the, reason, we... that's the reason we have jobs you know what i mean people, <laughs> yeah people, man people care sometimes they care about stuff that doesn't matter uh that's between stetson bennett and his family and stetson bennett in georgia that has nothing to do with what he's done on the football field, and you go back and look at things, had he been academically ineligible, he would not be playing at the University of Georgia. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't probably get close a couple of times or he had to change some things up, but uh, he had to stay academically ineligible at the University of Georgia. I can assure you he would have not been on the field. That leisure studies degree is going to come soon, I promise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something one, about that. One serious note on this. I don't know what he made NIL. But Stetson Bennett made a hell of a lot of money. So, you know, 22-year-old Rusty Mansell laying around with the number one team in the country, I'm, I might sleep in a little bit too, knowing I'm making six figures for real. I think uh, I think Rusty Mansell at 22 slept in a little bit, regardless of being with the, 20, the number one team in America. Minus six figures. I can tell you that. <laughs> Dude, yeah. re- re- recently turned 24, Palmer Toms was late to the show. <laughs> Palmer just woke up. <laughs> rough Sunday for Palmer. Now listen, Ruth brings up leisure studies back when I first cracked into this business. And there's probably a, there's probably a, a, a story for this for bark after dark and Wes will be on with us tomorrow night. So we may get in and tell it, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. I got, I got a, uh, I took the, uh, the GRE and I got into the rec and leisure studies program at Georgia. That is not in any sort shape, form or fashion, some sort of like, Hey, uh, I'm just gonna, you know, float through this. They are very serious about their wreck and leisure, baby. I, what does that mean? I, I, like, I don't I, even know. I, I remember, they were I remember talking the- over my head. It was all about theory and, and the play <laughs> theory. And I'm like, guys, I just want to run a rec department or something. I just get me out of this classroom. It was. I, I think I took that in a summer course. It was very philosophical. It was very profound. Yeah. It's almost like they take themselves a little bit too seriously. Um, so I can understand if that if that's what trips Stetson up, I get it. Um, all right. So, guys, in all seriousness, let's talk about some real college football news this week. Uh, Kirby Smart was on uh, Paul Feinbaum, and he was talking about Nick Saban. And, look, Kirby's answered more questions about Nick Saban than maybe Nick Saban. But uh, – Kirby told Feinbaum that Nick's been tremendous for the sport of college football. Nobody's moved the college football game more than he has. He's done a tremendous job of changing the game. The SEC is the premier place primarily because he started bringing national championships there when he came to LSU. So he's done a lot for the game. My, uh, my curiosity when I read that is with everything changing in college football right now, and Kirby Smart at Georgia for the foreseeable future. I don't know how long he'll be able to hang on to the bumper of this Ferrari as it speeds off and just continues to change year in and year out. But is there a possibility 
that Kirby Smart could be riding his own wave to where another coach is saying the same thing about him in a few years. We've got the recency bias of Saban and how great he's been. Uh, but Kirby seems to be on a pretty special trajectory himself. I, I think it'll point, take- I, I, I'll point to this. You know, it wasn't long ago that we were hearing that there was a way to win, and it was the only way to win. It was the only way to win big, and that was to have elite quarterback play, explosive, explosive offense. You know, you better you better have, you know, 19 LSU. You better have 2020 Alabama. You had bet that was your that was the way it was going to get done. And and Georgia fans were saying it. They 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 didn't have a whole lot of I mean, they weren't super fired up going into 2021. Uh outside of having JT Daniels at quarterback. And then when he gets hurt, when he starts dealing with that stuff, it's kind of like, well, here we go. Not going to happen because you don't have it. And all of a sudden, I think Kirby Smart has kind of bucked that trend and has kind of, you know, listen, Georgia's still been really good on offense the past two years, but it's okay to be really good on offense and lead on defense and you can still win championships. And I think that that was something that, you know, I don't know how much credit he'll get for that, but when I look back at this little mini era of college football, this little five-year run, I think that Kirby um, – there will be coaches that look at the way Kirby did it and they're like, you know what, I, I thought I had to build it one way, but then I realized that I can kind of, you know, tailor what I've got to to who I can get and, and uh, as far as coaching, as far as players and personnel. And I think that's a really big part of it because I'm telling you, man – I'm old enough to remember two years ago whenever it was, nope, can't do it without three first-round wide receivers and a first-round quarterback. Well, um, and, 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 we heard that, and we heard that in the middle of that 21 season that they ended up winning. Yeah. You know, what, just over a month before they ended up winning the title, uh, you know, after that SEC championship game, less than a month, because that carried until Georgia, um, you know, just about until Keely Ringo picked that ball off. Uh, folks were saying you couldn't win it without, you know, the, the elite talent at wide receiver and stuff. You know, I, it, here's what I will say, though, is I think it'll take a while for Kirby to enter that same discussion in terms of the impact on college football. I do agree with you there, Jake, that it's it's been impressive to see Georgia do it a different way. They haven't done it with this, you know, elite quarterback, top 10 pick at quarterback, you know, stud wide receivers uh, offense that's putting up you know name name a number type stuff they they kind of did that this this past season but not nearly to that same extent as a 19 lsu 20 alabama the reason that it'll take longer for kirby to get there though is because he's so tied to saban anytime kirby comes up nick saban will come up too just like anytime you know i I think if if oregon starts to have success and, and dan lanning you know maybe moves into a another position or, or brings Oregon back in, in you know, a, a revamped uh, Pac-12 after we see USC and UCLA leave, you know, we, we could hear Dan Lanning's name among the top coaches in college football. Um, you know, uh, there was a run there where it felt like Sam Pittman was getting some of that buzz and Shane Beamer certainly got some of that buzz now. Mel Tucker's, got a, big Matt, Mel Tucker's got a fat contract, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Um, you know, it, but I think because, those guys are tied to Kirby and Kirby is tied to Saban. It, it's all one. It's just one big branch of the Saban tree. And that's, that's how college football is. That's it's such a tight, you know, tight knit circle and people are tied together and there's, there's certain connections and everybody comes from somewhere and some wanted, but you know, I, I think that because Kirby 
spent as much time under Saban as he did and, and as much time under somebody as influ- influential as Nick Saban, you'll always hear Nick Saban's name tied to Kirby Smart when when we're having this discussion in terms of the influence on college football as a greater whole. is I, I, I'm curious as to what you guys think. Is Stetson Bennett like the, the modern era Trent Dilfer? Uh, you know, like he was the guy who was carried and he's the, you know, he was that elite defense I think he was better than Trent Dilfer personally. I mean, in terms of what he was able to produce and put on the field, uh, I could see those comparisons being made. And obviously we're talking pro versus college here, but you know, that's people say that the defense carried uh, Trent Dilfer to those championships. I think Stetson maybe that year one, maybe people perceive him that way. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's maybe a little bit more Greg McElroy, uh, AJ McCarron, um, you know, if you're trying to, you know, stay in the college ranks, but I mean, he shook that off in year two by becoming a Heisman finalist. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I, one of the things I think I'll always be proudest of as far as takes in this business was my thing leading all the way up until last year was, hey, guys, you know that first practice, that's some minute steps on the field as the number one quarterback. Um, it'll be the – you know, that, that – it'll be the first time. It'll be the first time they've ever planned for him to be the starter – going into a season that he had a whole off season of number one reps and all that stuff. And, and boy, did it pay off. I mean, that was a, that was a big step, but you know, I mean, you're right, Palmer, a hundred percent. And I know that's not, this is not good show, right? We're supposed to fight. We're supposed to get in onto each other or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, Put I, up, want, bro. I, I want to fight you. I don't like you, but, but, makes um, it look harder. but you're hundred percent. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. I mean, he will always be brought up in the same breath as Nick Saban. And, and you know what? I don't think that'll bother him. I really don't. There are, there's some of the guys I get out from under his shadow, whatever, give Kirby the titles, give Kirby the cash, let Kirby impact the guys he you know that that are in his program and have them come back and because I do know that that truly does mean a lot to him, um, you know as the guys coming back and, and and you know making those impact on those dudes I know that means a lot to him and I think you give him all of that and I don't think he cares about the rest. And if you're gonna be, I mean, listen, if somebody's gonna say he's the next Nick Saban or he's the guy, I mean, what else do you want, man? I mean, there, there's really no, there's no other comparison that anybody. Yeah, not not a terrible title to, to carry. Yeah, I mean, you. if you got to be linked to somebody, how about the greatest coach in college football history? You're going to compare you to somebody. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I get Jake Rowe is my comparison. That's terrible. The next Jake. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, the I'm the next Jake. I'm Mountain Jake. In fact, Mountain Jake, baby. Mountain Jake. <laughs> Rusty, what do you got to say on all this, man? You you know a little bit more about this situation, I feel like, than we do. Um, I'm just in there thinking about Stetson, and if you take on paper, just say the four, just say the four biggest games that we thought could give Georgia a problem, and that was the Alabama uh, SEC championship game two years ago, and he he got roughed up pretty good bit. That uh, Georgia didn't play a great game, he didn't play a great game comes back against Michigan, who everybody was – Michigan's the greatest team in the history of the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State. Everybody was talking about Michigan. He carved them up. I mean, he straight carved them up. And uh, they go into the Alabama game, and it's back and forth. And I, I, I just will never forget the dude. When they needed him the most, he was seven for seven in the fourth quarter and two touchdown drives. Then you get into a shootout with Ohio State. And he has to answer the bell. He has to drive the team down the field to take the lead. And he started out shaky too. Yeah, started out shaky, and so he did. So he, you know, he recovered. 
he got better as the game went on. And when they needed him the most, Stetson Bennett was that guy. So as opposed to Trent Dilfer, you know, I'm a little older than you guys. I know that team, that Ravens team. And, dude, if, if, if they got 20 points in an NFL game, it was over. You wouldn't score on them. Uh, Stetson Bennett's had to get into the 40 range a couple of times to win some games. Now, the TCU game was over on the second drive, actually, the, the second touchdown pass he threw. But you look at the four biggest games, in my opinion, Tennessee also, you know, he he had he did what he needed to do until Kirby throttled that thing down and they realized that they couldn't score. So, um, yeah, I, I think with Stetson Bennett, I, he got better. The bigger the moment, like he would play some games, and we all work message boards, and it would be like, oh god! I mean, they were trying to they were trying to bring Jake Rowe in for a last year of eligibility by the end of the week. I mean, it was like people were starving for a reason not to like Stetson Bennett. But the bigger the moment, I, I got to where I was like, if Stetson Bennett's playing, Georgia's winning. I mean, it yeah. seriously got to that point to me. Like, if this guy's healthy. Georgia's winning. Somebody's going to have to stop this guy. Um, you know, he just – at that TCU, he, he hit the peak, and that fourth down, basically zero blitz. When he looked over the sideline, basically smiled because he knew what was coming, and the guy was one-on-one, and he juked him and ran it for about 35 yards. That'll break your will. That'll yeah. break, break your will as a coordinator, and that'll break your will as a defense because you dialed up everything you wanted to, and this little 5'9 dude just juked you. And went for forty on you, and moved the change to score next play. And, and, uh, and these white men are dangerous. Yeah. And well, the thing I, that got it all going was doing it the exact opposite way of the way it had been done under Kirby before, which was play great, outplay everybody for three quarters, and you know just kind of not really bring it into fourth, and you lose. And finally, Stetson kind of flipped the whole script there in that national championship game and looked shaky and looked weird and looked everything else for – I mean, that fumble, y'all. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I was I was watching that fumble the other day, and I, I think about that thing, and I'm just like, you're talking about a split second, a hair here or there, wind blowing. If, you know, thank God it was indoors. We all know how cold Indianapolis was that week. But, I mean, just the weirdest thing – that was like on the action that that was as close to being not what it was as to being, you know, All right. what, what was closer that ball or me Cole's cleat in the 2018 <laughs> national championship or, or Brock Bowers or Brock Bowers first down. Oh man. Oh, See, man. But that Alabama <laughs> thing was so close because there was multiple things going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I still don't necessarily think he recovered that fumble because the, the thing was like, re- I guess, resting you on don't? his hand, like for us, for a, like a fraction of a split second. And I mean, was it even was, a fumble? Yeah. I, I see that's the whole where play I call I, is in question. Yeah. I'm, I, I really focus on the recovery part of that because I swear to God, that was just kind of like, I don't know. It was hard to establish possession that short of time. It is what it is. Um, but from everything was so weird. The way he fumbled the ball on his first scramble of the game when nobody touched him um, the way they couldn't protect. That's pretty close. Tomahawk. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to read that. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty close right there. That was Brock Bowers reaching for that pylon right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. I don't know. What, what's he talking about? Y'all help me. The, the state patrol officer in the background. In the right oh, no, oh, this, okay. this nostril in the foreground actually. Foreground. Yeah. Yeah. There, that thing is like. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even know. I didn't even notice that far. Okay, That's but yeah, I mean, it was, 
weirdest game, man. The weirdest game. And then, like Rusty said, I mean, perfect. Just absolutely perfect in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't just him either. It was Kenny McIntosh made a weird catch. Um, Jake, you, Jake, you break the game down, bro. You break these games down. The most underrated throw of the year was that ball to Karis Jackson. Yeah. In the scene. Like, yeah, it was, that, it was, and it was perfect. Per, I mean, was, like, are we, are yeah. we, we're talking the Ohio State game. Yes. Did anyone yeah, have yeah. any question, though, that Georgia was going to win on that drive? I, I, for one, hindsight be damned. I had no doubt in my mind. And maybe it was because I'd seen Stetson do it and because that Ohio State defense had no answer for him in the second half. I, felt I just like knew it was going to happen. And it was almost anticlimactic because that throw to AD was so easy. Yep. Yeah, I thought that I was thinking to myself when he hits Arian Smith for the long touchdown, I was like, that right there was exactly what had to happen in that moment for Georgia to win this game. No, and when that I stuff mean, happens, you usually don't lose games. Georgia, yeah, I mean, yeah, Georgia does uh, that touchdown many, many times. On the other <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and I said it in the press box. I said, Georgia needs a touchdown quick and they got it as quick as possible. But Wes, I mean, I, I did feel like Georgia was going to go down and score, but I also felt like Ohio state was going to make that kick. No, uh, Dylan, I, I, Dylan no, Brooks no. is I right, mean, right here. I mean, and, and even more than yes. make that kick. I thought with that, with the scramble of, of uh, CJ Stroud, I thought they were going to get even further into field goal position yes. with as long as it was, I guess it was questionable. Maybe I shouldn't have been so confident in a kicker kicking 50 yards, but, um, I mean, I, I thought Ohio State was going to – they could have gotten down and scored hey, a touchdown. Im, improbable things happen in the back of that end zone. I, um, that kick yeah. he missed in the back of that particular end zone, I watched him stuff a big net into a barrel in the back <laughs> of that end zone. I didn't, I didn't think there was any way they were going to get that whole net in there. I uh, um, So, we've I, all seen that. But I agree, I agree with, though, with Craig and Dylan. Uh, my, my big contention was that they had left too much time. I yeah. really did. I when When that happened – Georgia had to do it in that moment because that was the moment that presented itself and was right there. And so they had yeah. to take the shot when it came, but man, I was like, that's a lot of clock left. Especially after Stroud, that man. Stroud scramble. Yes. And, and I mean, you knew, and you just, knew just like tired. that. They're 25 yards closer. You watch that Stroud scramble again, man, that is such a tired defense. Uh, Michael Williams is running after him and he looks like he is carrying a Samsung, um smart fridge he's got I mean, jay is, on his back oh he is <laughs> michael williams is running a six flat is this how this goes every week I, i'm wanting to redo my contract man. <laughs> oh my goodness this is actually like we're actually talking about the game i mean we're at least yeah. on topic here yeah. uh before we move on really quick i got a couple updated vegas odds that i want to run by y'all uh, first thing, updated national championship odds. Georgia leading the way at plus 220. What I want to ask y'all is Alabama and Ohio State both behind Georgia at plus 600. I don't feel like both of those teams, maybe this is just me, I feel like Ohio State has the edge. And I think that they should be on their own tier, not sharing yeah. that plus 600 with Bama. And with, then, with the wide receivers that they've got, I, I, I could get behind that. And then the other Georgia-related updated odds here. Earlier in the spring, Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff were actually kind of flip-flop in the Heisman odds. 
But right now, uh, it's all Carson Beck as far as Georgia quarterbacks go. He's at plus 2,500, and the quarterback right near him is Penn State's Drew. Is it Aller or Alar? Alar. I, 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 listen, I've seen him throw, and we'll not get off subject tonight, but that guy has got a cannon, and that running back they got, Nicholas Singleton, was one of the best Ooh. running backs I have seen in a while. Okay. I'm telling you now, those two dudes, they were they were in Texas with us at the All-American Bowl. And I told our good buddy Sean Fitz, who is now on three with us at Penn State site, I texted him. I said, hey, y'all got two dudes coming. Uh, Drew reminds me a lot of Carson Beck, to be honest with you. Big, tall, you know, 6'4 kid with a freaking hose. So, Katron I'll, Allen's not bad either. Yep. Oh, yep. Great player. Yep. So, I'm telling you, if you, if you bet, try and look at some little late odds, yeah, outside the conference, one of those two guys, they could definitely carve a den into something. We're gonna have to get a rusty uh, Heisman uh, uh, odd segment in this show. Oh, oh that's man. fine. I mean, we're we're gonna have something <laughs> to talk about for the next several weeks. So, uh, but but here's the here's what I'm looking at: Alar Beck, Cade Klubnick at Clemson, and Joe Milton are all tied at plus twenty five hundred. So, what do y'all feel like is the more incorrect tie right now Carson Beck being tied with any one of those guys okay or Alabama and Ohio State getting the same odds to win the national championship I'm gonna say I'm gonna say club day uh being in the same conversation with Beck personally at this at this moment um well, I, you I think, think you think club Nick should be High, like better odds. No, or I don't. I don't. Really. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I think it's going to take him more time to to, yeah. to get in there, and I, I think Clemson's probably going to struggle a little bit more than people expect with um, him. I, I think Kate Club makes a great player, and don't get me wrong about that. But I think that it'll take some time for it to gel. There's been a lot of transition at Clemson and supporting and, and, cast, supporting cast. Yes, Carson yeah. Beck's, Carson Beck's got five dudes in front of him now. Yep. I, see, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think the bigger miss, though, is the tie between Alabama and Ohio State because, you know, just, just looking at those two teams, you've got a lot of returning pieces on that Ohio State defense. And, sure, they're a defense that gave up, what, 42 in the semifinal. Georgia's defense gave up 41, and and they're, you know, still very highly respected. Um, but it's it's those wide receivers. I mean, you've got Marvin Harrison. You've got Emeka Ibuka. You've got Julian Fleming. And you've got a quarterback, two quarterbacks that have been there this spring. You're looking at Ohio or at Alabama. I don't think that they've gotten nearly that one, two, three punch of wide receivers. Certainly not a one, you know, a top dude like Marvin Harrison. And you're relying on a quarterback that wasn't there this spring. I know it's an offense that he's familiar with, that he was with Tommy Reese at at uh, at Notre Dame. But I mean, it's you're you're gonna be a lot more comfortable. I personally, I would be a lot more comfortable betting on a quarterback that has been in a system for more than just a couple of months and has been working with wide receivers that are as talented as those guys are for, you know, as long as they have been working together. And they also, Alabama's going through the SEC. So every single yeah. week is World War Three. Well, the one thing I'll say about Ohio State, too, is I really question their ability to win game 12 right now because Michigan does bring back a quarterback. Michigan does get them in the big house. 
and Michigan is is I mean, listen, there's a paternity suit going on, and Michigan could be the father. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, the swabs the swabs have taken place, and oh, we are no. matching DNA as we speak. Oh, I mean, who's got the harder non-conference game is is the question. Notre Dame, uh, you know, Alabama playing Texas or Ohio State playing Notre Dame. Alabama gets Texas at home. Uh, Ohio State goes to Notre Dame. That's, but I just think it comes down to game 12 because if they lose, then they're out of the they're out of the Big 12 championship game more than Big likely. 10, but, yeah. Big 10, yeah. Big 10, Big ten, Big 10 that has likely. 12 teams and, and will have 14. Yeah, and then they've got they've got to try and backdoor their way in again this next year, and that's just not a given. That's a, kind of a little bit of a tougher thing to do um, than it seems like. So that's that's kind of what I'm interested in there with Ohio State, and one of the reasons I think that you know I, on on paper, like if they had to play the exact same schedule, I would probably favor Ohio State. Um, there's another concern I have with Ohio State too, and listen, this is just going off last year. I'm not questioning this kid's ability to play football or anything like that. But, guys, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think we can all say kind of – I think he kind of probably, kind you know, scooted out on him a little bit. He, yeah. he posted him a little bit, or, or Joey Bosa, whichever one did that. Um, is Can they count on one of those other dudes not doing that this year? Um, you know, you get the you get the slightest little injury. or And, again, I don't want to fault him. You, they're trying yeah, but- to – if I'm, Marvin, if, if I'm Marvin Harrison and I get a tweak, I'm probably just gonna. I, I would. I would consider it. I really would. I, I'd have to get it this year. It was Alave. No, it was not. It was Jackson. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he got a full toenail and he he was out. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> he was done, and, and you got to worry about that. And listen, that's where that. That's where that. I hope I'm glad Ohio State fans don't watch this because after what I just said about Michigan and what I'm about to say right now, they were I mean, I'd get death threats. We had to break through my window. But I mean, this can is I, where that was born. Can I give a breaking kind of news? Yeah. yeah. The first person that I ever heard from about Dylan Rayola kind of in a tweet and saying this guy could be the best player in the country was from Dan Orlowski. He just tweeted, hearing big things happening in Athens at Georgia football. Fire him up. That was Dan Orlovsky said that? Just now. So, I'm not saying that – I'm just saying this guy knows that family kind of. So, maybe that's what what he's talking about. How about that? He's not saying, he's just saying. He's just saying. I mean, (laughs) how how easy is it to be Dan Orlovsky right now and just say – just pop something out there. This is what I'm hearing. Wes, I think we might have to push you from Bark After Dark tomorrow night and get Dan Orlovsky on. <laughs> I don't think he has anything better to do right now. <laughs> that, is, that is a big dude in person. Dan? Dan's tall. Yeah, he could hardly fit in his own uh, end zone that one time. <laughs> oh, I was, I, it's like Dan Orlovsky's done so many fantastic things. I oh, he's great, top. dude. I, I love, I the love his commentary, but that is – Easily the thing that I think yeah. of. I think of Dan Olavsky. He's embraced it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's more infamous. I don't know what's more infamous. Dan Orlovsky running out the back of his end zone, or Gus Farrat just lighting himself up into the wall that time. <laughs> <laughs> There's so an account called uh, Gray Wolf that replied to Orlovsky's tweet that says Bennett coming back for an eighth year with no degree. I'm sure he has eligibility. 
can, we at least get them, can we at least get people to count right? It would be seven years. I pulled out a magazine because I got a stack of my magazines over here that I keep. And this is a Lindy's from last year. And I was just curious, see who they picked. And they had Georgia third. I'm trying to find TCU. One page, two page, three page. <laughs> On the fourth page, number 44, TCU played a national championship. So, wow. You know, and I don't think anybody ripped Lindy's going, hey, y'all lost your damn mind. TCU is not 44th in the country. So, you know, that's this, what, this This might be a discussion for another night, but who could be this year's TCU? That's, that's, we, I is, think we'll bring that next. I think give everybody a week and let's regroup on that Sunday, Wes. I think we should come back with that to everyone. So, while, while, while we brought up Penn State, do they, would they count or are they too highly? We said we were doing this next week, Palmer. I know. I just we, we brought up Penn State. We brought up this conversation this week. Man. We, I mean, we I brought up uh, the someone in the conference. Joey Plymel said, "Visualize fourteen and zero Georgia against fourteen and zero Florida State. Florida State's getting too much hype right now. I, I would say the Seminoles, but I'm kind of scared. I feel like everybody's on them." This is I, I, I'm worried. I'm worried for Mike Norvell personally. I mean, because the the expectations are so high that if they stumble a bit, I, I think it is going to be. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but I think people are going to be very, very upset given at what everybody's talking about around that. That uh, that LSU FSU game week one is going to be really fun to watch, and it's I believe it's that Sunday night, maybe even the Monday. Yeah, that was a great way to start the season last year. A uh, great way to start your summer is with Breaking oh, Tea and <laughs> the uh, fine folks over at Breaking Bro, Tea. I, have I did that. Every t shirt you could want. Here's one that I haven't really zoomed in on. I'm just picking one at random. It's not even because I like it that much. Uh, undefeated, undisputed, undenied. 1923, 65 to 7. Pretty good. Never hunted. Just just highlighting some of the more underrated ones, I feel like. Check I've out the uh, selection over at Breaking Tea. There's a link to their storefront in every episode of The Georgia Show. All right, I'm putting you all on the spot a little bit, kind of. I gave you a heads up here. I would not do this uh, without giving you all an advance notice here, but it is Mother's Day, and there have been some pretty impactful moms in Georgia football history, just in recent history, uh, Keely Ringo's mother, uh, inspiration to everybody, a huge fan favorite. But y'all have covered these teams for a long time, a lot of recruits, a lot of prospects. And I'm curious, what's a story about a Georgia recruits mom or player's mom behind the scenes that you're okay sharing now, that's respectful, of course, that uh, people maybe not know about? that may have helped the dogs, you know, maybe pull some strings, help a guy choose Georgia that may not have, but he listened to mama and he ended up being a huge dog. I'm making all this up on the fly, but I know there's probably some stories between those years that y'all can think about. Hmm. I, I, there's got to be a Calvin Johnson story somewhere out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that was before my time, so I'm going to let y'all handle that, but. Kind of a mother parent story, and you know Tate Rattledge is from here in my hometown. Known Tate a long time, and he 
his family are monster Tennessee fans. I mean, they're, they're, his family's from Tennessee area, the Knoxville area. They moved down here for Rome over, you know, and Tate was like fourth or fifth grade for a job. His sister, in fact, goes to Tennessee. And the entire time, I believe Tate's mom was feeling the pressure of some point she's going to tell these Tennessee fan base her son's not going there. And then that leads you into the kind of the video of him's dad scraping that Tennessee tee off the back of his window that day, which was not scripted. I was standing there. Nobody was left. And I remember the kind of the backlash. Uh, they, they took a little bit. But I remember when Sam Pittman left that Sunday to take the Arkansas job. And his mom, being a mom, was very worried about her son and where he, you know, what the relationship now with someone else. But I remember Matt, the first person that Matt Luke went to see uh, as the Georgia offensive line coach, he flew straight to Rome, immediately spent the entire day with Tate's family. And I remember called maybe that night or something to kind of get an update because Clemson was pushing for an OV hard. That was, they wanted him to come on campus him and Brian Bersee were very close. He was working him to go to Georgia. And I remember Matt Luke, after spending the day, mom was like, my boy's staying with Georgia. And that was kind of the end of that deal. Uh, but I remember going through it and, you know, watching kind of the emotions of his mom go through it, um, you know, and that family go through that decision. But uh, that that's kind of one of the mom stories that kind of sticks. I know Jalen Carter's mom was 100% Georgia. That was a big deal. Uh, she she was just trusted the staff there, and uh, that was a lot of people coming in on him hard. Uh, we all covered Jordan Jenkins, and we all know Ronald, and yeah, we're a good family. But as they call it, recruiting who is the champion, you had to get that mom. You had to get Jordan Jenkins' mom if you're going to sign him, and Georgia got her and wind up signing him as well. My best mom story is uh, I went to Brandon Cablano's um, Army All American jersey presentation. And uh, you know, Eric oh. Richards is there, um, and his mom, Shelly uh, Rosenblatt Camblano, yep. um, real estate, um, I mean, big real estate get- lady there. I mean, she is um, – man, you want to talk about – if I'm not mistaken, she – I think she might be – might have been born in – she might have been born in Israel, if I'm not, not mistaken. Um, but, you know, Jewish family um, and real – you know, real strong Jewish family, real, real tight-knit. And she was talking about kind of how it was her dream. She wanted her boys to play tennis. And uh, Brandon's older brother, I believe it was, was like a, a, I mean, a junior champion, like a stud. And I said, what about Brandon tennis? She goes, too fat and slow. He was too fat and slow for tennis. And I was like, dang, you know, like I was like, what? And I turned around and I look at him and he's standing right there. And I don't know. I mean, if you ever knew him, if you ever know the guy, I mean, they, genuine is all this kid knows i mean he'll tell he'll tell the truth you know to a fault um and he just looked at and he goes oh that's too fat and slow to play tennis um so she she said hey um you got to find something else and i want you to be you know i want you to compete um so he got into football and the rest is history i mean he was a uh super undersized but extremely strong and and aggressive and um played his heart out and i think once he uh i think he got tired of eating like he had to eat to be close to 285 pounds. He trimmed up. Because um, he, yeah, he he took it off fast um, once uh, once football was over with. But just hearing his mom just be like, I mean, dang, man, can you imagine what would happen these days if a mom said something like that to their kid where somebody could hear it? 
um, you know, <laughs> Department of children, children, Family and Children's Services, like right there. Yeah. Uh, facts would be too involved. fat and slow. Too fat and slow for tennis. Um, I'm hey, I gotta, uh, I gotta hop off. I yeah. gotta, uh, I gotta do some writing here real quick on something, but uh, no, no breaking news or nothing. I don't want anybody to get alarmed, but we, uh, we've decided something needs to be written, and I'm gonna write it. No D job, bro. Peace. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this one, one last thing. Uh, maybe I'll be able to write it and tell you who it is, but I, I spoke with a mother of a major, major 2024 target, and she told me her son's going to Georgia. He just wants to take some visits. So if I, if they, he sticks to that, then I'll be able to write the backstory on who that was. But I'd have a I'd like a more updated story. But ran into yeah. her, ran into her and her son at some point this spring at an event, and uh, she kind of pulled me aside and said he's he's going to Georgia. So see that's, that's why I asked, man. I, the the mamas are decision makers a lot of the time. Um, the champions, what they call them. That's what in the recruiting. Who who is the champion? around this kid who's going to make the decision when it comes down to it so you got to figure out who the champion is i mean i think about nolan smith and what he wanted to prove to his mom and graduate and how impactful that was for georgia this past season i mean there there are uh off the field influences from what these players moms whether they're recruits prospects or current players man the moms have a say in a lot of this stuff all right, let's wrap it up. Palmer, I'm putting you on the floor, man. Everyone wants to know what the deal is with Georgia baseball and head coach Scott Strickland. Not great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, I mean, put simply, they're, they're at 10 SEC wins. Um, they were coming off of a big series win over uh, a top 25 Tennessee team. Um, you know, that, that, that followed up a – road trip to Ole Miss that was disappointing. But before that, they had been playing really good baseball, you know, swept a top five Arkansas team. That's the SEC leader, took one from a top 10 Florida team, beat a top 10 uh, Kentucky team in a series. Um, to lose to Ole Miss, you know, they, they are the defending national champions, but they have not been, uh, you know, playing the best baseball um, this year last place in the sec them and them in mississippi state Oof. magnolia state really competing for last place there who's going to miss hoover um you know you can lose that and if you follow that up with the win over tennessee um like they did you can get away with it um i don't know that you're going to get away with especially that being on the road and, and you got one you got one win I don't know that you're going to get away with being swept uh, by Missouri, who is also, um, you know, one of the bottom feeders in the league. Um, now, the last two losses have been heartbreaking. They've both been uh, walk-offs. Um, but, I mean, to get run-ruled on Friday night, 13-3, to um, not what you want to see. Um, you know, turn, turn around, you lose 14-12. to Obviously, you're, you're pretty happy with, uh, you know, the bats and the production there, but you've got a lot of questions about the pitching and why, uh, you know, that, that, that's been their Achilles heel this year. Um, they, they host LSU this weekend, one of the top teams in the entire country, um, you know, making a case for the number one overall seed. It's going to be really hard to win three games against the Tigers and, um, that's kind of where I think that they need to do. If, if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they were on track to do that. You felt good that they were going to be able to get, uh, you know, three of six against Missouri and, and LSU. And 
now you really got to take three of three against LSU. Um, and if you don't take three of three, you need to take two of three and go do some, make some noise in Hoover um, for the SEC tournament. Um, but I mean, I, uh, I'm not feeling all too great about Georgia's chances to actually do that. Um, LS, like I said, LSU is a really, really good team. I think there's a chance that they're resting some starters this weekend, um, knowing that they've got a lot more to play for this year. Um, so maybe that's to your advantage that Georgia's played really well at home. Like I said, they, they beat a top, you know, their, their wins series wins in this league have been against really good teams and they've all been at home. They have not won a series on the road and, they're not going to be uh, asked to do that this coming weekend. They, they're they're going to be in the friendly confines of Foley Field, but um, the the opponent on that other side is is really really tough. Yeah, they're they're uh, pretty good. Well, I mean, look, I I hate it. You never want any Georgia program to get to this point. Uh, big fan of Scott Strickland. It's just tough, man. You can't stomach and see the things that you've seen Georgia baseball do over the past few days, specifically when it seemed like they had some good momentum going and anticipate that the uh, the sunnier days are ahead. I mean, they've got to pull something together quick. Otherwise, I, I mean, I think we've seen Josh Brooks has been pretty pretty apt, pretty eager, um, not without reason, but he's been willing to make some tough decisions when he needed to. And uh, I think he will do that if that's what it takes for baseball right now. And there's a lot of discussion that goes on around Georgia's baseball program and kind of players that should be bringing in. Um, and right now it's just, I don't know, man, it doesn't seem like it's headed in the right direction. So we'll see. I mean, I'm in Northwest Georgia. There's a kid that's a shortstop at Searytown right now. It's like number one shortstop in the country. He's committed to Mississippi state LSU's number two pitcher is from Rockmore. I mean, when you got two kids from Northwest Georgia that are in the sec, that, that, <clears throat> That's a bad, but you got If you're strict one, you're always going to think, "What if?" Because if they don't have the COVID season, and he's sitting there with those yeah. two pitchers, and you're sitting there on a roll, and you've waited on this year, how deep do you get? And could you potentially bought yourself a couple years? But we'll never know. Now, a, a, a trip to Omaha certainly helps. Yep. Yep. But he doesn't. Bruce, have you're that. on mute, man. Palmer, you're, you're you're the baseball guy, uh, so I'm going to ask you uh, gut feeling. Uh, Scott Strickland leading this team next year. Nope. No. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There you go. That's, that's probably what we just should have asked the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, get us, I'll get us started. I'm going to – I think I'm going to do the first stock flat line that we've ever done uh, on Charles Barkley. And Barkley was on the record, was praising Kirby Smart, talking about how impressive it was that Kirby has led this team to back-to-back national championships, saying all the right things, even though he's an Auburn guy, really loves Kirby Smart. And uh, I think when you hang out with Ernie Johnson a lot, you're just going to learn to – some part of you is going to learn to love the dogs. But then – 
he's also on the record with the steam room, the show that they do the TNT crew. And he said that he can never imagine listening to sports on the radio. So y'all know me. I, I love my radio sports months in high school, football, radio, all of it. So, uh, Charles Barkley, I'm sorry, man. You're a flatline stock. You could have been through the roof, Charles Barkley, on the dog stock report this week, but then you come out of the woodwork with a terrible take like that. So flatline stock on Charles Barkley. I will go stock up on Division II hoops. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot more about Division II basketball then I thought I'm going somewhere with this, Roos. I'm going somewhere with this. Lord, uh, can we drink I, on the show? I'm yeah. <laughs> You're not. Palmer's I, uh, on here. I do it every week. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia picks up the Division Two Player of the Year. Um, there you go. Talked on last Wednesday about uh, the addition of Noah Thomason. Um, they looked like that was going to round out the roster. Uh, Jushan Holt enters the transfer portal. They quickly, that happened Wednesday. They quickly turn around uh, and added the division two player of the year, RJ Sunahara. Um, and I mean, that th this is a kid that's really impressive. Um, Average in double figures, uh, two straight years there, um, 18 points, 19 points. Um, the, the two years that he spent at Nova Southeastern, um, which is in Fort Lauderdale area down in Florida. They won. They, they, they've lost one game over the course of two years. They went undefeated in the regular season in 21, 22 uh, and lost in the NCAA tournament elite eight. And then come back uh, Sunohara and company come back and they go completely undefeated Win the D two title. He wins D two player of the year. Um, most outstanding player of the final four. Um, just an, an incredible player. Um, so I learned a lot about D2 basketball this past week, um, doing a little bit of research on RJ Sunohara uh, and what he brings to the dogs. So stock Mike up. Mike White on, is making moves. Yeah, stock up on Mike White making moves. This team has uh, got a lot of buzz around it, um, but stock up on D2 hoops because that's uh, where some of this buzz is coming right now. A little, a little inside baseball here on my personal life. My girl, my girlfriend is a lacrosse coach at a D two school. All right, and uh, she Rusty's me, about to jump out of his. She, she told me. She told me Nova, Nova Southeastern is about to uh, is about to jump to D one, um, and so uh, that's a program that feels like it's on the up and up. And look, hey, Fairleigh Dickinson did it to uh, Purdue this year. So I mean, there you go. I'm just saying, man. I'm just where saying. Are we, where are we going with this? this is, <laughs> it's the end of the show, dog. We're about to do uh, stock up on, be, on the Georgia show. Me, Someone take I, us home. You can take the stock first if you want to. I'll, I'll do mine after. I'll whatever. take, I'll take uh, stock up for me. And and um, and I'll say because of the school that we cover, uh, stock up for these coaches' wives, dealing what they deal with. And, and really, you never see this side of it, but you go, you know, you follow these guys on Instagram. And Todd Hartley had a long message about his wife. Lynn Schumann had a long message about his wife. And you know, obviously, you know, Mary Beth Smart, Laney Bobo, and, and these coaches and what they deal with having to be mom, a lot of times dad, and with these guys out on the road. I thought about that today, Mother's Day. And, and you know, you, I'm sitting here writing my notes for in the morning. And as I'm writing these notes, these guys spent Mother's Day with their wives. 
and they're going again to looks like one, two, three, four. That's at least five different states tomorrow. They're going again for another week. And oh, by the way, next weekend you got to have official visitors and a huge weekend. So kind of way. So for me, on my Mother's Day, um, for those women that are coaches' wives, especially in college football now, um, stock is through the absolute roof for me. Like Rusty, when's the last time you think Kirby Smart did a load of laundry? For a hundred million in cash, I'm talking about in back of my truck. If you loaded it with hundreds right now, Kirby Smart couldn't do two things. He couldn't light a green egg, or he could not start a washing machine. <laughs> Guarantee you, he couldn't start a green egg or start the washing machine on the right setting. Now, he might push some buttons. <laughs> it might be like delicate hots. You know what I mean? Like he's not getting it right. Zero chance. Stock up on the coaches' wives. All right, Roos, what you got? All right. Uh Rusty mentioned it briefly, but I'm saying stock up on this week because it's huge for Georgia football and official visitors coming this week. We'll dive more into that on Wednesday, and you can get over to Dogs HQ in the morning. We're gonna have a preview up. But uh Cam Michael, uh Casey Poe coming in. And Jeremiah Smith, the nation's number two player, going to be in town this weekend. Whew, it's going to be a big one, buddy. Listen, this scavenger hunt started out as kind of like a, a, a novelty, like almost. It was like a novelty yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And it's grown into an event. It's and, it, work. and then the dog night. Yes, it has. You're right. You're right. That dog yeah. night is actually the, the perfect uh, comparison for it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a who's who. Uh, Georgia is going to have a number of talented recruits on campus this weekend, but none bigger, I think, than those official visitors. Dylan Riola, of course, expected to visit this weekend. Uh, Georgia will be hoping to see him this weekend uh, out in uh, uh, on Tuesday, I believe, as uh, our, our friend Rusty reported. But they're uh, they're going to uh, be on him heavily. But listen, Riola is coming for an unofficial visit. You got some official visitors, and I promise you. All of the three names that I just listed, Georgia wants in a big, big way. I had, I had a I had a coach this weekend. I won't say the school or the conference, but I had a coach I've known for a long time tell me that JJ Smith is the best wide receiver in the last ten years. I, oh I, I saw. Yeah. I, I had somebody on the board say uh, I've seen Julio Jones comparisons, and I said I would not write that off. This, this I, I, I said that's. I said that's that's yeah. weird territory we're moving into when yeah. you say things like that. I need to like hold on to my desk here. That, that's <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's not as far off as people would think. This guy is this guy, and He's Chad the truth. and Chad Simmons. Uh, Chad called me probably a year ago, and he said, "Rusty, this guy down in Fort Lauderdale is for real." And uh, I mean, George is going to have him on campus and taking their swing at him. Uh, committed Ohio State, which everyone knows, but you won't talk about a guy, and then there's everybody else. There's him, a wide receiver, and then there's a bunch of really good players. So this yes. guy, Jeremiah Smith, is the dude. Period. There's, there's, In fact, really, there's a lot of good players in this class. Really, really and good. And there's him and That's Dylan right. Riola. That's right. I mean, like, there's like two dudes in this class right. that are, are kind of can't miss guys. Jeremiah Smith, to me, uh, honestly, from a wide receiver perspective, maybe more can't miss than a, than a quarterback. 100%. A, wow. a guy that should 100%. be, by all metrics that we know, a top five to ten pick in the NFL draft. Go watch the film. Go look at the tape. Go look at the, the seven-on-seven performances. 
Jeremiah Smith is a guy. We uh, all said Julio. Look old. at the uh, scouting comparison on yeah, all three. It's AJ Green. Yeah, that? that's not that's not bad company to be here yeah. <laughs> yeah. at all. But I mean, look, eventually it's going to be the next guy. It's going to be the next Julio. It's going to be Marvin Harrison so far. Oh yeah, is 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 it worthy of that mention? Yes. But but I, I'm telling you now, I had a long time person I've known in the coaching industry, and and he told me he said the kid in Florida is as good as I've seen in the last ten years. Period. Yeah. And Dang. well, and, that's and exciting. That's, that's a great note to end on. Uh, y'all have a great week. Hit like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will be back here tomorrow night, 9 p.m. on Bark After Dark. And again, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. If you're new here, we're live right here on this YouTube channel every Wednesday, every Sunday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. If you missed the live show, that's cool. We got replays available on YouTube as well and on Apple and Spotify podcasts. We'll see y'all there. Thank you for listening and buckle up for a wild Georgia summer. Catch you soon. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.